Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. But we're in this theme called Mosaic, and uh, we're kind of spinning off of our conference. And I've been talking about how a mosaic is the design or how they make a mosaic is basically they get these different stones, these different colored stones and different pieces, and some of them are broken or most of them are broken pieces. Uh, Some are jagged and some are pointed, some are sharp, some are rough around the edges. And it's all of these broken pieces that come together. And then at first when you see it being put together, it doesn't seem like much, but once you stand a little distance away, you see this beautiful picture. And it's really a picture of God's church. You and me coming together, God getting all the broken pieces. If we'll be honest, all of us were broken. Some of us still have a little bit rough around the edges. God's working on you. And, but when you put us all together, it's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And Isaiah 61, 3 says, God will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's what the Lord does, gives us beauty for ashes. So let's pray today as we dive into this message today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the people that are here this morning. I pray that your word would minister to their lives. I pray for the anointing of your spirit. God, as I declare your word, that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus name and everyone said in fact why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now I believe that today I really do we just came back or I should say I came back from a a conference I was in a conference in San Diego and uh, just got back yesterday uh, I was sharing with some of the uh, pastors here. They had a three-day conference. I preached four different times. I was preaching every day. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I, I, don't, I only preach once a week here at my church, and you got me preaching four times. Uh, but it was a tremendous conference there, Word of Life in San Diego. And uh, they were doing great things for the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, they planted a church in the Philippine Island. We believe that. And so uh, they're going to get that church going in... January, so we're praying for the blessing of the Lord. But I want you to think about this word. It's a very important word, and it's the word that uh, all of us, if we listen closely, all of heaven and earth is based on this one word. In fact, even Jesus summarizes the Bible in just one word. And I want us to read this scripture out of Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments, it says, hang all the law and the prophets. So we see the word love, love God first, and then love others. So basically, I'm not preaching on love. I know some of you are getting scared. I'm not preaching on love this morning, but love is the key essential to life. What I really want to talk about, though, is what what makes love happen. 
What brings about love? How do you put love in action? How do you show love? And this is what I really want to focus, and I believe this is what makes the Mosaic Church, is when we understand that we demonstrate love or we show love in what we call relationship. Say relationship. Relationship is our, uh, the way we talk to others, the way we interact with other people, the way we get along with others. And I would say this, the quality of your life on earth is not by doing or having. The quality of your life on earth and the fulfillment and satisfaction of your life is the quality is determined on how you deal with your relationships. How do you deal with your relationship with God? And how do you deal with your relationship with other people? As I said earlier, a mosaic could be sharp edges on these pieces of glass, pieces of tile, pieces of rock. And yet all these jagged, pointed, sharp things are put together in this beautiful mosaic. And that's the way it could be as believers in our relationship. Sometimes our relationships are broken. Sometimes our relationships seem jagged and pointed. And wouldn't you agree... Even heaven is determined on your relationship. You going to heaven is determined on your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. Jesus said everything, these two commandments hang on the law of the prophets and everything. So the way you have relationship will determine your eternity. In fact, when you look at the Ten Commandments, if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, the Bible talks about the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The other six commandments deal with our relationship with other people. In fact, I'm going to just touch on the Ten Commandments just to remind some of you, okay? Uh, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And that particular time, especially during ancient times, people believed that there were different deities and different gods to different things. And we know that there's only one God. And so he said, you're not going to have any other gods before me. The second one, he said, you're not to make any images that you bow down and worship. In other words, physical idols were widely used in ancient times. And people would make uh, idols out of wood, out of stone, out of silver, out of gold. And people would bow down to them. And even Isaiah made uh, this statement about Idols, and I'm going to read it to you. Isaiah 44 he says, Such stupidity and ing ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. He's talking about idols. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why it's just a block of wood. I burn half of it for heat, use it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down and worship a piece of wood? Isn't that pretty crazy? So he begins to really talk about that when people are bowing down to these idols, they're, they're bowing down to things that are made by man. And today we know that idols can be your career, they can be your money, they can be your bank account. I'm not preaching about that, but I'll say that, okay? The third thing is don't misuse the name of the Lord. Don't use his name in vain. And basically, don't use God's name to strengthen your point. God's name is holy, right? 
Then it talks about the Sabbath day. In other words, it's a day of rest, but it's also a day of worship. So these four, first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The other six commandments, uh, commandment number five, talks about honoring your father and your mother. Not only when you're a small child, but you're to honor them throughout your life. And so it's honoring your father and your mother. And the sixth one is God forbid us to murder. In other words, when you're murdering someone in cold blood, uh, a lot of us think of it, thou shalt not kill, but it really it's talking about murdering someone, meaningless, violent killing somebody. Don't murder someone. That's our relationship with people. And the sixth or seventh one talks about don't commit adultery. Uh, uh, keep your eyes on your own wife. Right? It said, don't, don't commit adultery. Then it talks about do not steal. Don't steal from somebody else. If it belongs to someone else, it's not yours. Don't steal it. Then it said, don't lie. I'll say that again. Don't be lying. Right? Don't be lying. Don't stay, you know, don't try to uh, distort the truth. Tell the truth. Don't be a liar. And then the last one talks about don't covet your neighbor's house. In other words, an attitude is that you want what somebody else has that's coveting. So all of these have to do with the relationship. I'm making a point that relationship has everything to do with eternity and everything you do to do with how you live here today. And our relationships are so critical. I'll say it this way. Relationships are everything. And I'll add to that. Your relationship decision are the most important decisions that you'll make in your entire life. The relationships that you have are the most important decisions that you have in your life because relationship has to do with who influences you the most. There are people right now that are influencing you. Your relationship influence who you are. One person said it this way, it's not your net worth, but it's your net work. Who's around you? Your connections, okay? And so Jesus really was saying how important our relationships were. He was saying, love God first and love others second. Then he made this statement in Matthew 18, 20. He says, for where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And some may say, well, what does that mean? Can I just serve God by myself? Well, of course we can course we can serve God by ourselves. How many know God will never leave you nor forsake you? But the scripture talks over and over in order to have the manifest presence of God. If you want a manifest, God will manifest himself differently when there are people gathered together in his name. When you're in relationship and connection with other people, there's something powerful that happens when there's an agreement. We're talking about biblical community. In fact, I believe with all my heart, every single one of you, there is greatness in all of you. How many believe that? There's great potential in all of us this morning. I believe in some of you right now, there is ministry that God is going to raise up in your life because of your connection. I believe that some of you, uh, you're going to get married. If you haven't got married yet, and your marriage is really, you're going to honor God, uh, and you're going to affect generations to come after you because you honored God with your marriage. Somebody say amen. amen. The problem is so many of us are missing one thing, and the one thing we're missing is right relationships. Most people 
are missing right relationship. They're missing healthy, stable, well-founded relationship. See, a lot of us, we have relationship with people. They just tell us what we want to hear. That's not really a good relationship. Because they're not telling. People that care about you tell you the truth. You need to find someone that will tell you the truth. If you just have people that just tell you what you want to hear, well, you can just get online, do whatever you want to do. That's not a real relationship. Real relationship and people that really care about you will tell you the truth because sometimes the truth will hurt you before it heals you. Sometimes it will displease you before it frees you. Am I right? So you'll never do all God wants you to do without the right people around you. Relationship and connection is the key to your destiny and is the key to your future. I promise you, you will never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish without the right people around you. I'll say it again. Now, I'm telling you in scripture, you will never do what God wants you to do without the right people around you. Your destiny is linked with people around you. And a lot of us this morning are around the wrong people. Now, you may say, Pastor, but you know, I got Jesus. Isn't that enough? Just, just me and Jesus. We're just walking together. I don't need anyone else. And there's truth to that. We want to be forgiven. All we need is Jesus. We want salvation. All we need is Jesus. But there's something in Scripture that's consistently over and over. The Bible talks about connection, relationship, fellowship, and family. And we need that. I said we need that. Well, you guys are kind of quiet out there, so I'm going to preach a little bit louder now all right and so in genesis the book of genesis it talks about when god created man he said it is not good for man to be alone did you hear me it's not good for you to be alone now why did he say that because uh, adam needed someone to help him find the car keys no that's not why he needed someone to save his life while he's driving turn here turn there you know some of us know what that's like. Like, I know how to get home, honey. Yeah, turn here. I've been, I've been home before. I've driven, you know. You know, so, so I, anyway, we'll go on. So the Bible says, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one. If one falls down, who can help him? In other words, if you have somebody next to you, it'll, he'll pick you up when you're down. Deuteronomy 32, 30 says, If one could put a thousand to flight, Two could put 10,000 to flight. In other words, you're not twice as good when you're with somebody else. You're 10 times better. There's something called synergy. Synergy is the sum total of two people working together is greater than the sum total of two working individually. They did a test. They found that if, if somebody was uh, uh, getting something out of conveyor belt by themselves and stacking it by themselves, they can get so much work done. But if two of them are stacking something together, they actually can do twice as much or ten times as much. There's something about synergy. When you partner together, your power together is multiplied, not just addition. When God gets involved, your power is multiplied when you're with other people. Can you say amen? There's power in relationship, and there's power in wise counsel. And the opposite is true as well. When you don't get around the right people, and you get around the wrong people, you're going to go the wrong direction. 
Let me give you something right now that I, that I got a quote. It says, my health and my well-being is not just determined by who I am, but it's equal related with who I'm with. So your health and your well-being is not just who you are, but who you are connected with and who you're in relationship with. And King Solomon said it this way, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now listen to what Solomon did not say. He did not say a fool suffers harm. He said a companion of fools suffers harm. What did that mean? It simply said, I don't have to be a fool to suffer harm. I just need to get around people that are fools and I'll begin to suffer harm. So who you hang with is who you become. And you're affected by the people that you're around. In fact, Paul the Apostle said it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company or the wrong people will corrupt good morals and a good character. The wrong influence affects your life and it affects your character. In fact, let me just say it this way, and I'll say it, I've said it before, the five most dominant voices in your life. In other words, your five closest friends in your life will determine the trajectory of your life today. Tell me who your five closest friends are. Tell me who the most five dominant voices in your life are, and I'm going to show you every single time, I promise you, where you're headed. Take any area of your life and begin to determine who those five closest voices are, who the five dominant voices in your life are, and it will determine your attitude, it will determine your destiny, it will determine your trajectory. You can't tell me, well, I'm around them, but it doesn't affect me. You're a liar. It will affect you. I've seen it over and over. You can, we could take the job, for instance, where if you're working on a job and those five closest friends on your job have a bad attitude, we can't get promoted here. The boss is this, the company is that. We need to get paid more. And, you get a, and before you know it, you have the same attitude. And you're, 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 you, you've hit a ceiling in your career because the five dominant voices on that job are giving you negative voices, negative attitude, and so therefore, you begin to have that negative attitude as well. But you get around some coworkers that say, man, we're gonna, we're gonna give it our best. You know, this is a good company, this is a good job. Man, uh, we're, we're lucky to be here. You know, there's promotion here. In fact, you know, we could use this money for the kingdom in a greater way. And you'll begin to see that everything begins to change because the five dominant voices in your life will determine the trajectory of your life. You can take your marriage. If you're around people, other married people, and uh, you get around people where the men are always uh, going out on their wives and messing around and chasing other girls, uh, you know, it's going to affect you. Women, if you're around other women that are married, yeah, my husband is this, they disrespect him, blah, 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 he's that, he's this, he's that. Women disrespecting your wife, man, I'm telling you, your whole marriage is going to go down because you're around the wrong marriages. You're not around healthy marriages. Birds of a feather flock together. But if you're around married couples that are positive about their marriage, that they're positive about what God's doing, hey, we're here to serve God, we're here to make our marriage better. You got the wife saying, hey, I want to partner with my husband, I, I want to be a part of what God's doing. They get a vision, guess what? Your whole marriage changes. Somebody say amen. 
Take your relationship with God. I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but take your relationship with God. A lot of us today, we have friends, we have partners that are casual Christians. They call themselves Christian, but they don't live anything like a Christian. We don't even know if they are Christian. They're just calling themselves Christian. You get around those people, and pretty soon they'll begin to take you down. But you get around people that, man, they put God's word first. They live the word of God. They're not casual about their Christianity. They go to church. They use their gifting for the kingdom. And show me the five most dominant voices in your life, and I'll show you where your life is headed. So our relationship with people makes a difference. Get around the right people, and you'll begin to have the presence of God. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. In fact, we can go into the New Testament when the first church started, and we've been talking about Mosaic, and, and, and that, that church first started, the early believers, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the Bible said the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And the Bible says this in Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the teaching? The word of God. And to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and prayer. So the life that God changes is built on the word of God, not self-help. It's built on God's word. Uh, we don't study the Bible here. We actually live it. Can you say amen? There's a lot of churches that study it, but we actually practice it. We actually uh, affect our community. We are doers of the word of God. The Bible said they fellowship and the breaking of bread. Now here's the real odd thought that I want you to think about. And really, they did a study on this in, in the New Testament, and, and they found that many of the meals and gathering, in the, it basically, there was a lot of eating and gathering in the Bible. Man, you guys say, yeah, that's called fellowship. You know what I'm talking about. And really, they did. They, they found that, uh, that when you look at this, uh, there was a lot of it. In fact, when I first got married, uh, there was a lot of easy eating and gathering. I thought the first four food groups was Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King. Some of you are saying, isn't that it, Pastor? No, that's not it. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, through the years, our eating habits have changed. If you go in my refrigerator today, you're going to find almond milk. You're going to find vegetables. You're going to find fruit, flaxseed. If I get any chocolate, my wife throws it away and, and all these different things. Oh, we're not eating that. Uh, that's enough. You know, we've had enough. That's, that, that's it. That's it. We're not going to eat no more of that. And so everything changed. But meals in the scripture were the, more than just uh, eating and enjoying and, and, and just having a great time. Really, there was something kind of divine about meals in the Bible. People gathered together for meals because it was a demonstration of love. And sometimes or many times they invited people they didn't know to have greater fellowship. In other words, there was a deeper purpose Behind just eating and hanging out, they believed that there was something special in that relationship. How many know what I'm talking about? In fact, many of you after this service are going to go in that cafe. Be nice to those people too, by the way. They don't get paid and they're serving you, okay? But be nice to those people. But you're going to hang out, you're going you're gonna to fellowship, you're going to eat. I don't know what they're eating. I don't know what kind of meals they're eating today, what food's going on. What, 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 what is it? 
breakfast burrito. Whoo, watch out. So you put a little bit of salsa on that, and I can tell you how to do it. But anyway, you got the breakfast burritos. You got your coffee. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to hang out. You're going to fellowship. But I'm going to just tell you, before we even had a cafe, I remember when uh, we were in the building down the street, and it just started with some of us getting there early. We would actually cook breakfast at the church. And it would meet a few pastors, and we feed our family there. And then we said, hey, we ought to get a better coffee machine. And then before you know it, people started getting there earlier, too. So we started doing all more coffee makers and everything else. And, and before you know it, this whole cafe just kind of launched out. And I said, now I look at it and go, oh, my God, it looked like a restaurant in there. What happened? You know, so... You, you begin, this is where the experience, I believe we experience God's best when we're eating meals together. And that's why on, on the day, on Sunday before Labor Day, we're going to be having a church picnic. Somebody say amen. It's going to be a great time. But you look in the book of Revelation, there's talking about a banquet and the marriage supper of the Lamb. In fact, Jesus, uh, Bible said they, they, they accused him of being uh, you know, a person that ate all the time, that drank all the time. That's what they accused Jesus. In fact, before Jesus was crucified, the night he was betrayed, they were eating a meal together. He was sitting down with all of his friends and having a meal together. In Scripture, the Bible says that they're breaking bread and fellowship. I'm telling you, some of the best times together is eating across the table with somebody, having a great meal together, and enjoying the presence of God. Our home groups, our connect groups are probably the best place you can experience that. Now, we, you know, I, I appreciate you coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday, but if you want to get deeper fellowship, you need to go to your connect group on Friday. So we got these home groups. We have many home group connect groups every Friday night, and I've seen some of them on Facebook. Man, these people know how to eat. They know how to chow down, man. I'm going, Wow. It's like everything, man. They got it going, man. They got all, it's like a whole banquet every, every Friday, and, and people bring stuff, and, and it, it's, a, it's a great time together. And, and you know, again, I want to encourage you, if you're not going to a connect group, uh, go to one and find one. You can talk to any of the pastors, any of our leaders here. We'll direct you to one. There's probably one near your home or not far from you that you can be a part of. It's great, great fellowship, great, great uh, time in the Lord. Though so the Bible said they devoted themselves, uh, they, talking about the New Testament church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, amen, it said, and to fellowship and the breaking of bread. So they were devoted to this. This was not an accident. This was intentional. They were intentional of committing themselves Together, This was part of their discipline. And I believe that today, that we belong together. I said we belong together. We often say around here, when you come to this church, you'll begin, you belong the first day. You belong here. And then we believe that you'll begin to believe God. You're going to begin to believe God. And then you're going to belong, believe, behave, and become all God's called you to be. We believe that today. Now, there's been a number of things that has hindered that connection. There's been a number of modern things that have happened in our society 
that is really, uh, they're a blessing, but really at the same time has caused people not to be in community, not to be connected the way they used to be. There is a book, I don't even know the name of it, that talked about the invention of the air conditioner really changed people's connection. Now, I love air conditioning. If you were here last Sunday, man, I love air conditioning, I'm telling you. Last Sunday, we were in a hot box. I mean, we were roasting, right? Man, I, we, we were, we were uh, anyway, we were the barbecue, but thank God you. But I want to I, I, I commend you guys for staying and not leaving. And if, if you remember, I, there might be some people here. Uh, I grew up, when I grew up, we couldn't afford air conditioning. And, and I remember it was in the 70s. And, and what, would, what would happen? When you have air conditioning, you sit out on the porch. And, and my dad had a couple of trees in the front of the house. And we would be under there. And, and what would happen, it would cause community with the neighbors. And so we knew all of our neighbors and everything else. But they said when air conditioning became the norm where everybody, then you no longer sat in the front porch and then you no longer talk to people. And this is why we have a disconnection. They also talked about the attached garage versus the detached garage. So in other words, when people had a detached garage, you park, and then when you walk to, the, to your house, you would wave to your neighbor and talk to people. Now, it's like the back cave. You go into your garage, you have the, you know, what is it, the door opener, and you don't see anybody, nobody sees you, and, and so there's no interaction with other people. And then they even talked about fences. When I grew up, there were no fences. I remember when I, when I was young in our neighborhood, nobody had a fence. But little by little, everybody started fencing everybody out. And now you got gated communities. And so that right there has caused a disconnection. And for some of you that remember the home phone, if you remember, you used to have a, a some of you kids are going, a home phone? Yeah, there's only one phone. And we all had to share it. Yeah, you didn't have a personal phone. We had to share one phone in the whole house. I know it's revelation to some of you. And you were limited. You can only go so far at the wire, right? And remember when we finally had the, the cordless phone, it was like heaven, right? But anyway, but then I remember the great invention was called the answering machine. And you didn't have to answer the call. It would, you could take a message. Hello, we're not home right now, even though you were home. We're not home right now. And you could screen your call. You know, but that's actually caused more disconnection because now you're not answering and talking to people. And then the caller ID goes, no, I'm not talk, taking that call right now. And so all of that, see? And so all of that has caused the disconnection with people. And today, people less, know each other less than any other time. This is why it's so critical. I know that, that, you know, all of us are not perfect. All of us have a degree of brokenness. But I'm here to tell you, God's putting us together to make a beautiful mosaic, a community, a church. And you'll be, you'll be surprised when you begin to sit down across somebody and you get to hear their story. You get to hear who they are. Sometimes we judge people by how they look on the outside and we don't even know what's going on on the inside. And when you begin to hear who they are, you know, in the Bible, when they fellowship together, it, it, it was not just a meal, but it was hours of conversation. And I believe that needs to happen again. Where we, we're not just sitting down and having a meal and leaving, but man, we're sitting down and having a meal together and we're conversating. And you know, you, you, a lot of us, we do this, you know, you're in a restaurant 
you eat a meal, and then you keep talking, and then, and then you go outside, and the conversation continues, right? I mean, that's awesome. I often wonder, why don't we just stay seated if we're going to stand out here for another 45 minutes talking? Am I right? You ever, you, you, we just sat in here talking, and then you walk out in the parking lot, and you stay another 40 minutes. I go, why are we in the hot sun out here? Why are we, why are we not? Why, we should have just stood another 40 minutes in there. We were comfortable. Anyway, that's a different story. But we have to learn. So one of the things that's happened in America is we value independence. And I agree, we need to have a degree of independence. I want to be financially independent. I, I want to be this independent. But what happened is we begin to be relationally independent. And then we want to be worshiping independently. And the problem with that is that's the direct opposite of what Christianity is about. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and be independent. Did you hear me? You cannot serve God by yourself. You need others with you. Somebody say amen. We need others with you. Again, I'm not talking about we need to be dependent on people. We need to be interdependent. We need others. And throughout scripture, this is exactly the New Testament church. There is this interdependence of one upon one another. We understand we need to have a personal relationship with God. Your grandmother's faith is not going to take you to heaven. Your dad's faith is not going to take you. You need to have your own personal relationship. We understand that. But we also understand that we need each other. We need one another. We need this gathering. There is something powerful when we gather together, when we connect together, all of us. In fact, in the New Testament, the Bible says when Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, when Jesus blinded him to reveal himself to him, that immediately after, he connected Paul with other believers. Because he wanted Paul to know, you can't make it by yourself. You may be Paul the Apostle who wrote one-third of the New Testament, but he needed others in his life. You need other people in your life. When you're by yourself and independent, you begin to think weird. You ever been around people that just don't know others and don't talk to people? Man, you're weird, dude. You're like socially awkward. There's something going on with you. You're not around people, are you? You need to get around some people. You know, you, you, need, you need to learn relationship. And look at what Paul the Apostle says in Hebrews 10.24. And let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In other words, we need to have this community that we're encouraging one another. And then he says in Hebrews 10, 25, and let us not give up, okay, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So we, we love you that are watching online, but when, you, but when you can, you need to come to church physically. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The biggest challenge today is people are giving up meeting corporately together and they're settling online to be on the sideline, right? And we need to be in the presence of other people. It's one thing to say, I'll pray for you, but it's another thing when you get around them and put your arm around them and you hold their hand. Man, there's something about presence. There's something about being there and praying for people. And I'm not saying it's not effective. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. And there's moments for that. And, and you're in a distance. Hey, you're on the phone. I get all of that. But man, when you can physically be there and we can pray for you. Then somebody, the Bible talks about the laying on of hand. Not laying on the screen, but laying on hands on you, right? Where you can physically, there's something about that. 
There's something about doing things together and connecting together. I'll just kind of give this illustration. What if I told my family, I told my wife and my son and, and, and all of them, hey, we're going to watch this movie together. It just came out. I want us all to watch it together. Go, oh, man, that's awesome. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go in the bedroom because I like the TV in the bedroom. And uh, Omar is going to go in the living room because he likes the TV there. And my wife's going to watch, watch it on her iPad. And I tell my son, Jacob and Linda, you can watch it at home, but we're all going to watch this movie together. How many know that's not being together? It would seem foolish, right? And some a lot of us, that's silly. But that's what a lot of us do when we become independent of one another. We're kind of doing our own thing. You know, they, they did a survey and they found that the average Christian attends church once or twice a month. I don't even know how you could really even get much out of that. That's just a few hours out of the month. The people are literally going once or twice a month. So let's just say people went to church twice a month. Let's just say four hours a week or four hours a month. Most people spend four hours on social media a day. Am I right? How, how in the world is that person going to grow? So we have to make coming to church. We got to make being together a priority. I think we got to make it a priority. Now, I know some of you say, well, we're here today. Thank you for being here. Amen. I'm yelling at the wrong people. But what I'm saying to you, I want to encourage you today to let's not give up meeting together. Let's put a value. Let's make it a priority because people begin to overroot church with something else. The, the weather's bad this weekend. We're going to sleep in. Man, the weather's nice this weekend. We're going to go out somewhere. Man, we're tired. You know, all these things. And so we're always putting other things more valuable to church and then we wonder, when we reduce our church going to virtue and online and listening in the podcast, we wonder why our children don't put any value on it. It says, let us not give up the habit of being together, everybody coming together. And I want to read this last thing to you. I found this article. I might have read it this before to you. But literally going to church is healthier for you. Look at what it says. Look at what this quote says. Do not ride in an automobile. They cause 20% of fatal accidents. Do not stay at home. 17% of accidents occur in your home. Do not walk on the streets or sidewalks. 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Do not travel by air, rail, or water. 16% of accidents happen in these modes of transportation. But only 0.001% of deaths ever recorded happened during a worship service. So the safest place you could ever be in your life is right here in church. It literally will save your life. We're saving your life right now. Less accident. And then they say the, the, the accident that do happen is because you had a previous condition. So literally the safest place, the healthiest place you can be is in the house of God. Amen. We need to make it a priority in our lives today that we're going to gather together, that we're going to have this community that, friend, I'm telling you, healthier and happy people go to church. And they connect with other people. I'm telling you, some of the strongest relationships you ever have is right here in the kingdom of God. If I did a survey, most people in this building 
if you started coming to church for any length of time, you probably have been blessed by somebody in this church. You probably have a job today because of somebody in this church. I remember, you know, for years, I would see people in the church and said, yeah, I got a job. Oh, well, so-and-so got me in. So-and-so recommended me. So-and-so wrote a resume for you. I can't tell you how many. I'm not going to do it now, so don't ask me. But I wrote resumes for people and, 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 and wrote all kinds of different things for people because it, it, it helped them get a job. It helped them in their community because somebody put a word in. Hey, tell them I sent you. And if I had a show of hands right now, I said, how many got a job just because somebody recommended you or somebody told you or somebody opened up the door? And I tell you, hands all over this place are going. Somebody, somebody told me about a job opening. Our blessing is in our connection right here. Relationships are needed in our lives this morning. So let's bow our heads. So Father, we thank you for this community. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this body of believers. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather together. And Lord, we, we need to connect more. We need to intentionally connect more. We need to fellowship together, pray together, eat together, connect together. And Father, even invite those that maybe don't connect that much. Even invite people we don't know. Maybe we just invite them to lunch. Maybe we just invite them over our house. Maybe we just invite them to dinner. Lord, maybe that's the way to get to know someone. Maybe there's some people here in this church, God, that, that they're not going to a connect group on Friday night because they don't know where to go. They don't know anyone. They just come on Sunday. God, I pray today that we'll be able to connect with them. I pray today that they'll talk to somebody and just ask, is there, is there a connect group I can go on Friday? That they'll ask the pastor. They'll ask the leader. Father, I want to see, I pray today, greater connection and greater relationship with people. Maybe there's some that they kind of become a little independent you've kind of drifted from that connection you've drifted from that relationship and, and you don't realize how valuable and how healthy it is for your life today the holy spirit reach across this building i pray for grace i pray for your power right now i pray for the presence of the holy spirit if you're here in this building with every head bowed every eye closed, closed today if you're in this place right now and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God, I'm here to introduce you to Jesus. You can have a relationship, a personal relationship with Him. Man, I'm telling you today, the greatest relationship you could ever have is a relationship with God. And Jesus opened up that door for you. Jesus said, I, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. He's your intercessor. He's your mediator. He's your access to God the Father. He's your access to heaven. Today, you need a relationship with God. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You're in this building right now. I said, you know what? I've never given. I know who God is. I know who Jesus is. I've read about it. I've read a little bit of Bible. I know a little bit. But I don't know him personally in my life. I've never invited him to come in my life today. Friend, when you invite Jesus in your heart, he'll forgive you of all your sin. Because the Bible says we're sinners. And there's no way we can get to heaven with our sin. We need God's forgiveness. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. So you can be forgiven. So if you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life. Whoever you are right now, you want to make that commitment. You want, you want to know Jesus personally. You want a personal relationship with God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you be honest with God. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need God in my life right now. I, I want to know Jesus. 
raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. That's me, whoever you are right now. No one's here to embarrass you. No one's here to put you down. We're not here to shame you today. We're here to encourage you that you can know the Lord as your Savior right now. You can know him personally today. Just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life today. Is there anyone at all? Right now, just raise your hand and put it right back down. Is there anyone at all? You need God in your life? Just raise your hand. Somebody back there, God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Young lady, God bless you. Thank you. Over here, somebody over here, God bless you. Anybody else? We don't want you to leave the same way you walked in. You can know God personally. Thank you back there. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? You haven't raised your hand and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life today. I'm here to tell you it'll be the greatest decision. The greatest relationship you can have is with God. And today it's available to you. God's making it available to you. Would you raise your hand? Anybody else? Maybe you were once walking with God. At one time, you knew the Lord. You were walking with God. But whatever reason, you got diverted for whatever reason. Something happened. You're not really walking with the Lord today. You've kind of gone astray. You need to come back and rededicate your life to him. Raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. That's me. You're talking to me. Raise your hand real quick. Is there anybody else right now? You raise your hand. You guys mean that? You mean that back there? You mean that over there? Amen. Would, would you stand? All of us stand together. If, if All of us stand together. If you raise your hand, we want to pray with you. We don't want to embarrass you. Can you make your way right down here? Somebody's going to meet you here. Come on. Give them a hand. Who are you back there? Over here. If you guys can help me. There is a young lady on my right. Another person over here on my left. Amen. They're coming. They're coming. Several people are coming. God bless you. Come on, let's give them a big hand. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else coming over there. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you guys for coming here. God bless you. Anybody else want to come? We're going to pray with these right here. And we're going to pray with them and lead them to the Lord. So why don't we pray together? Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? You guys that came down here, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'll give you the word. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the attitude of your heart. And so say this prayer to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins. Be Lord of my life. Make me a new person. From this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray for them. Father, you know who they are. You know everything about their life. So I pray, let your presence, let your grace come into their heart today. And Lord, change their life around. God, make them a new person today in the name of Jesus. How many this morning you say, Pastor, I need to make a commitment to relationship, relationship with God and with others. I need to make it a priority in my life. Sometimes I kind of make excuses and I need to make it a priority. I want to make church a priority. I want to make connection with people a priority. I'm going to open the altar. If you just say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Sometimes there, there could be things that kind of, you know, cause us to drift away. There could be 
uh, disappointment or misunderstanding or conflict. I'm telling you, sometimes in the church, you know, it's not perfect. We get, we get a little bit of conflict. We get a little bit of disagreement. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. When there's iron sharpening iron, there's a lot of sparks, okay? But God, God works it through. That's how we learn to love people, right here in the church. We say, God, give us love. Well, he's going to give you somebody around you that's hard to love. So you'll learn how to love that person. So just come right now. We'll pray for you. If you need prayer for anything else, you say, man, I, I just need some prayer. Maybe it's not even about the message. Just prayer. Maybe you're going through something. Make your way down here. We're going to pray. We're going to take a few moments here. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you. They're going to lead us in worship. And as they do, make your way down here. We're going to pray for as many people as we can. Come on, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to worship right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.